The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's another edition of the Custard TV podcast, the podcast for TV lovers, brought to you by three TV obsessives. Your obsessives this week are Luke, hello. I always have to say hello after my name, sounds weird, doesn't it? I'm the runner of thecustardtv.com. Matt's here in the northern area. Or he was. That's a good start. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, Did you mute yourself and forgot to... Yes, I think I I accidentally (laughs) muted myself there. And podcast guest this week, Sophie Davis from Cult Box and other websites that you write for. Hello. Hello. How's your week been? Quite a busy week, but the weather's very nice at the moment, which is quite surprising for February. It's nice to look out the window on a lovely day when you're recording Recording a podcast. Recording a podcast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do feel a bit mean keeping us all in, so we'll race through. This might be the shortest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> I've already reason. been out, Luke. I don't know about you, you know. Where have you been? Just into town and back. That's not really an anecdote. No, I, I know. Really I don't know why you asked. You know, <laughs> you know I have an empty life. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the show today, we have four shows as always, and Sophie will take on Boxmaster, the ultimate TV quiz, by the end. The four shows this week are This Time with Alan Partridge, the new BBC One comedy, and the return of Steve Coogan's iconic character to the BBC that was on on Monday. Warren, the new Martin Clunes comedy that was also on on Monday. And Netflix original The Umbrella Academy. Flack, the W drama that's already been on new telly. And is already there as a box set on UK TV Play, I think, and on Sky and Virgin Media as well. I want to apologise, firstly, because th- this was a rotten week for you to come on. Mm. So if it, really? Yeah, <laughs> I'm either going to be very quiet and not have any opinions, or I'm going to be quite loud and very annoyed throughout. And I think it's going to be s- the second one. I, it's my fault. I said I had a preference for comedies, so I did ask for this. <laughs> It was a show that you hated this week. Did you manage to get through it? Don't say which one it was yet, but 
Yeah, I I'm an idiot and I watched two episodes of it thinking that thinking that it might improve in the second episode but if anything it got worse so it's my fault. I think if I it, know exactly yeah, which one. If it's know. the one I'm th- I I just sort of skipped after the first 15 minutes if it if it's the one I'm thinking of. Um, there's already an air of mystery that Yeah, because yeah, it could it could be another one because there's another one I had quite mixed thoughts on yeah. so I'm not sure which one but you're thinking of. You say you, the comedy thing next time we're doing Derry Girls which I'm Oh uh, yeah, April. yeah. I know. At the beginning of March, we get Fleabag is back, Dairy Girls is back. There's a new comedy called Home, which is yeah. supposed to be really good. So that's going to be a good week. I've been really trying to persevere with Fleabag. I can't see what everybody sees in it. Can you explain a bit why it's this phenomenon and and so well received? Because I've tried it a few times now. I can't see what people see in it. It just falls a bit flat for me. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I think like often with a comedy, you have you sometimes have quite a sort of gut reaction to it, and then it's quite hard to change that. Like if you immediately think that it's not very good. Um, when I first watched Fleabag, literally within the first minute, I was thinking, "I love this. This is amazing." So I think maybe it is to do with you know how it starts out for you and mm. yeah I, I do get what you mean it is about a certain sort of group it's very very middle class she, she's got a lot of problems but yeah I've, I have met people who they don't really identify with it they think it's a bit she's very sort of spoilt and posh you know I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is such a talent but I think mm. her, her presence on screen I think she's better controversially as a writer rather than I've never connected to her as a character on screen, maybe it's an issue of mine there. But yeah, I'll be interested to see what I make of the second series with Andrew Scott in it as well. Uh, this time it should be interesting. But it's weird because normally if something is quote-unquote amazing, then I can sort of see why. But with Fleabag, I've always always struggled. And Derry Girls is another... I loved, I loved the first series of Derry Girls, but not to the level of people who thought it was amazing the first series got like a huge amount of viewers for a comedy it was a bit surprising i don't know why it kind of struck this chord with people but yeah it got millions of viewers (laughs) so matt you you chose this week's social media question Uh, i did which again confused people so we said what sort of is the worst sort of spin-off prequel of all time People took that to mean like the worst series or the worst follow-up series or something like that of so like say series four of The Walking Dead or something someone said, but it's sort of spin-off pre- based on the fact that last week we had Endeavor we were talking about Baptiste to a lesser extent the Alan Partridge thing this time you know it's a new show with that character. Luke, have you got one to start off with? I have got one, and it, for me it would be oddly Baptiste. Because I was so Ooh. looking forward to it and so, I thought, connected to the, the show and the character and it just fell completely flat for me. And I, I've watched now half of episode two and I still haven't connected with it. So as far as the disappointment level that I feel, that would be top of mind. If not, then say by the bell, the college years. Uh, and what about you, Sophie? Only two I've really seen are two of the good ones, Frasier and Better Call Saul. I asked my other half, and he suggested uh, Rock and Chips. You know, the Emily Fools and Horses. Oh my god! I, I never watched it, so I, I'm not. I can't really say whether it's good or bad or not. But that's what he mentioned, and he also said uh, the Green Green Grass. 
they are both brilliant, particularly the green, green grass. That's a brilliant mm. suggestion. You're a massive Fools and Horses fan, aren't you? Yeah, that was awful. That yeah. was completely tonally, it was completely different. I think a spin-off only works if you've got a strong lead character like, say, Frasier, that mm. can take you into a different world. And if you're taking weaker characters out, then they're not going to work. That's why Joey didn't really work, because Joey was a foil for the other friends. So putting him in a show of his own where he was this idiot living in California with his family didn't really work because he had no one to bounce off of. For me, I think the two that we watched for the podcast, I think they were quite close together. Uh, One is Prime Suspect 1973. Oh, my God, yeah. um, Which was was so bad that it's Linda LaPlante, isn't it? Didn't want anything to do with it. They were originally going to call it Tennyson. Um, it was just awful. It was like a parody of itself almost. Oh I think I think it was the success of um, Endeavour. They went, what are other existing cop franchises can we do prequels of? And Frost. A bit nippy or something like that. The Touch of Frost, the prequel, <laughs> something like that. And also 24 Legacy, the other one. Completely pointless, using the 24 name and the real timeness of it, but getting rid of everything else. It just didn't work without Kiefer Sutherland. You know, it's not even like a spin-off because they didn't have any of the original characters there. I think they might have brought back Tony later on, but it just felt pointless just using that existing brand just to get more people to watch it really my problem is these things are so but i've watched these things they're so bad that once i've seen them i they just go out of my mind i've got no memory of them at all should we see what what the people said yeah we may as well go to the people yeah so um ranjna said doctor who's class just should have been better on bbc3 yeah um again green green grass a couple of people mentioned beth wright said how could it ever live up to only fools and horses uh, Lauren Jones said green, green grass, awful, but I have to say I enjoyed rock and chips. Hmm. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> but then Danae <laughs> Dene Robertson said rock and chips, hated it. Our old running buddy Gary Redrup said Joey always comes to mind. He was not the character to, to spin off from Friends. And you can't forget Baywatch Nights, even if you try. Just as you're dropping off to sleep at night. Oh, Baywatch Nights, that was a thing. You just remember it. Mo Walker said, uh, Gary took the obvious answer, but I will raise him various Knight Rider spin-offs. Team Knight Rider and the Knight Rider sequel from 2008 both tried to build on nostalgia, but failed to recognise the Hoff-Kit chemistry was a product of its time. The I used to watch this uh, podcast uh, said, Joni Loves Chachi was pretty bad, just unfunny and cringeworthy. After Mash is always a favourite for people to whip out too. It's a long time since I watched either, and these may be too old for what you were looking for. And later, and they also said the X-Files spin off The Lone Gunman. Those guys were fun on the show, not as the whole show. Susan Seddon also said Joey, and then uh, finally Tim Kelly has given us a list of Rock and Chips, Young Sheldon, Baywatch Nights, Torchwood, Joey, and Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, Frasier may be coming back. As yeah. you're a massive fan of that. Does that excite you or panic you a bit? It does panic me a bit. I mean, one of the main characters, you know, the actor has died recently. And Mm. I think that was a big part of it, really. The whole relationship with Frasier and his brother are obviously quite posh. And then their dad is a bit more working class. And that was part of the whole, you know, drive in the plot. And so without the dad, I don't think, yeah, I think it would definitely lose something. I'm not sure if it's even going to happen. I think 
it's one of those things that's been mentioned a few times over the last few years and I don't know if anything is actually going to happen, to be honest. We're in a world of TV now where nothing is ever finished, but I think some in the cases like that, some things are just better left. Yeah. You can't recreate the chemistry again and you're going to have to shoehorn a way of, of like uh, David Hyde Pierce and Jane Leaves' characters to come in as well. It's just not going to feel as organic. It did run for a long time. It's not like it was sort of cut short in its prime, you know. It was on for around 10 years. So I think that, yeah, I think I agree. They should just leave it, to be honest. And is it the, is it the original dog dead as well now? So they're yeah, oh, I think so. the dog. <laughs> I think they used two dogs anyway, because the first one died and then there was a second dog. Oh, yeah. the dog then. Speaking of death, let's talk about the shows that we're reviewing this week. <laughs> I think it might be the collection of the worst four shows we've had to <laughs> review on the podcast. Yeah, so cum- I don't know whether cumulatively. We... I don't know whether to end on a high with what I consider to be a high with, with Alan Partridge. So mm-hmm. let's start... Uh, you want to the... right at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the new W drama, Flack, starring Anna Paquin as this... Uh, sort of PR. Apparently, it's called Flack because that's the name of PRs in the US. I had no idea about that, and I don't yeah, think same. Anna Paquin stars as this sort of PR person who's you know helping her clients with various issues they've got and keeping them at the top of their game. Meanwhile, as you might suspect, as hung together as she is at work, her personal life is surprisingly. A mess. We've not no. seen that before. That <laughs> incredibly original. Um, why don't you start, Sophia, and, and tell us your initial? Did you know anything about this show when I asked when I put it in the email? Yeah, I had heard of it before. Um, when I looked it up, I found that it actually started out as a, a Channel Four pilot in 2013, which might sort of explain why it does feel a little bit dated sometimes. Mm. Uh, apparently, the pilot when they did that was um, Sheridan Smith as the main role, wow. and, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge as her like co-worker. So it's obviously been in development for a very long time, and it's ended up on the the W channel. I had quite mixed thoughts on it. I I watched the first two. Um, I didn't really like the first episode, but then in the second one, I actually started to enjoy it a bit more. I figured out the reason why is that I I don't really find Anna Paquin's character very interesting at all. No. Like you sort of suggested before, it feels like quite a cliche. You know, she's this successful career woman and she looks amazing all the time, but she's damaged. And, you know, in the first episode... Life is full of surprises. Some good... Some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está allí. She does a lot of cocaine and she has sex with a client and it just didn't feel very different or interesting to me. And the first episode is 
very much about her you know introducing her to us and uh the second episode i think the reason why i enjoy i enjoyed the second one a bit more is because it's less about her and it's more about things going on at the pr firm and like Mm. for example in the second episode the main plot is that they're trying to make uh this uh sex tape involving a client of theirs there's more of the uh the side characters being involved like um her co-worker Eve has more to do and I think she's gets most of the best lines really uh Rufus Jones's character is more involved in the second episode as well and it's yeah it's less about Robin I think I, I figured out that I would prefer this show if it was like 20 or 30 minute long episodes about people working in a, in a PR firm and you know I could do without all the stuff about Robin's personal life I think did you find it funny at all a few of the one-liners were quite funny. It's mainly uh, Eve, really, who's played by Lydia Wilson. Um, she gets quite a few one-liners in the second episode. In the first episode, I found it a bit overwhelming because, you know, nobody's talking in a way that people talk in real yeah. life. It's very sort of quippy and, like, there was a scene where Robin and Eve are walking down the corridor talking to each other and I kind of almost zoned out because they were speaking so quickly. You know, every other line is some some sort of witty quip um yeah i didn't find it particularly funny but in the second episode when i was sort of enjoying it a bit more i liked some of the one-liners and the the boss character who's played by uh sophie okanadu uh i didn't really get her in episode one and then in episode two she had a few moments like uh there's a point where robin calls her and she's like having botox done in her office while she's on the call and, and it was a bit more fun in the second episode i thought it took itself less seriously in the Yeah, one. it's not supposed to be like, well, hopefully, I'm assuming it's not supposed to be like realistic portrayal of what a PR firm is like or a realistic portrayal of what women are like. Uh, and when, once I kind of accepted that in the second episode, I thought it was a bit more fun. It felt like something that the BBC would have made in sort of the mid-noughties when they were making things like cutting it and the ITV were doing footballers' wives. It was just a little too heightened and I don't really find the world that interesting or engaging. And I, I, Sophie Okonedo is an actress I really, you know, I always watch stuff she's in and I don't quite know how she ended up in this. It seemed like a character that was so far away from what she normally plays and I just found it really unengaging and uninspired and it felt like something I'd seen before but years ago Mm. but just not as interesting. Anna Paquin's character has been done so many times before it it just doesn't feel like an interesting female character anymore you know like you said it might have done a few years ago like oh she's a messy woman how exciting but that (laughs) it's just been done loads before. (laughs) They try to make us sympathetic don't they because you find out her mum committed suicide and it's the you know it's the anniversary of her mum's death and things like that. I didn't buy Max Beasley at all as this celebrity chef. Mm. I don't know what he was doing there. It just it just yeah it felt messy and sort of cliched and contrived. From what you're saying about episode 2, it sounds better. It sounds like the show it should have been in episode 1, but I, I do think they are trying to make this realistic and maybe that's not the slant that I should have been looking at. Maybe it is like this heightened world. Uh, but I do agree. I thought Lydia Wilson was the best thing about the first episode as well. Yeah. I thought she she was very sort of almost sort of scenery chewing sort of snobbery from her. But yeah, I, I, I didn't really sort of buy into the world. It reminded me, and I'm not quite sure why, of the split from last year. 
I'm not quite sure why. I think it's that sort of middle class world that that it sort of creates. I didn't know whether it was the acting or the character, but I almost immediately took against her, and I know that's a terrible thing to do, but I kind of was almost immediately not interested in her at all, or her sort of her sister and and her family life didn't mm. really interest me either. I thought I'd seen it all before. Will you continue on then, Sophie, now as you've persevered with episode two? Uh, I think I'll give episode three a chance. If it's similar to episode two, then I might carry on. But if it's, you know, continuing to do a lot with Robin's personal life, you know, more than the sort of PR firm, uh, I think I'll probably, yeah, stop after episode three. We'll have to have a look. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. Who wants to walk us through the bare bones of Netflix original, The Umbrella Academy? Don't I'll, all shout I'll, at I'll, 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 I'll do it. Go on. I'll try okay. my best anyway. This is based on a comic book series, um, I believe, created by one of my chemical romance. I, I think <laughs> You've done your homework. I have, yes. There is a lot to sort of boil down here, but the basic premise is that um, it starts with this unusual event where 43 women around the world simultaneously give birth without being pregnant. Um, Then a billionaire adopts seven of these children, six of which have got special powers, the seventh of which, who's played by Ellen Page, doesn't, so she can't join this sort of crime-fighting unit called the Umbrella Academy, which they're in as children. They sort of then all sort of spin off and have different adventures and do different things with these powers but then come back together when um, their billionaire sort of adoptive father dies and then the big reveal at the end of the first episode is that the world is going to end in eight days I wish it had ended halfway through the first episode <laughs> you know you, you wanted to watch this Matt because you well, had, I, had read, read reviews that yeah, were quite it, positive positive reviews and people and, and people at work have watched it and have said it's quite good I know we've had a bit of feedback on it um, earlier today, someone's got six episodes through and has rather enjoyed it. The thing I liked most actually was the use of music and the odd, the odd music selections that they picked to sort of use over montages. Like you had the um, Ellen Page's character play Phantom of the Opera on the violin early on to sort of introduce where all these siblings were. Now you had the the brilliant. We I think we're alone now playing in a in the scene where they're all just sort of dancing in, in, in the mansion. And I liked Ellen Page's performance as well, but I feel like it's one where there's a lot going on. And I know we said last week we were trapped about trying to put all the family together and, and work out who everyone was. And I, I think I was struggling with that a little bit as well. I don't know how you two felt about it. I think it's quite an interesting setup. It's since it's like a superhero show, but it feels like it's going to be quite about the family drama. There is some action in it, but it's maybe going to be more about the family coming back together and their relationships rather than just constant action and you know fighting crime and that sort of thing. Um, it's not really the sort of thing I would have chosen to watch if it weren't for this podcast. Uh, me neither. But I, I think actually the day before you told me about it, I'd seen the trailer on Netflix and thought, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> I didn't hate it though. I, if someone told me I had to watch the next episode, you know, I would, I would do. I don't think it's really for me. You, I don't think you can really accuse it of being bland. You know, like you said, there's lots going on with 
the music and you know that scene where they're all dancing around and then it zooms out and you can see them all in the different rooms that was quite fun and there's a monkey butler um and like a their sort of mum figure seems to be some sort of robot you know i don't think you can really accuse it of being dull there's a lot going on and it's quite a distinctive world it seems um I might watch episode two. I'm not sure. Uh, it's not really my sort of thing. No, mine neither. I can't believe you did that whole setup, Matt, and neglected to mention the, oh, mo- the monkey butler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I would have said before I'd set anything else up. This was not something that I would choose to watch. I think it needed more humour. I think it was mm, almost devoid yeah. of humour to the point where I thought, you know, I'd li- I'd like to be part of this world more, but I want you to entertain me and engage me and I think yeah. they've given all the humor to Robert Sheehan's character in this but I just found him a bit a bit much yeah same I really yeah. like Robert Sheehan I, I remember I used to watch Misfits and I really liked him in that and I did find him a little bit grating in this I didn't perhaps I didn't go I didn't well I know I didn't go in with an open mind thinking no, this might you be didn't. great <laughs> but at the same way if it had been good then it would have won me over because I can allow myself to go in these world like Russian doll is is as bonkers as, as things can get and also the good place and life on Mars all these shows with bonkers premises that can win you over and there were bits of this that were interesting but not enough for me to go yes I'm, I'm fully on board and I want to be a member of the Umbrella Academy do you think they will explain that Ellen Page has the power to to stop the world ending do you reckon that's what it's going to be yeah i reckon she'll have something towards the end presumably she is the daughter of the woman who gave birth in the swimming pool at the beginning and that's why we saw that i also found that very traumatic at the start as well i had no idea what was going on there (laughs) made me worry about going to the local baths which i won't be doing anytime (laughs) soon it was just too bizarre for me to really get fully on board with I didn't think it was as as bad as say something like The Passage I don't think it was a bad show but I think there was nothing there that grabbed me really there was a lot you know to get through it felt like oh we've got to hit hit this this and this so everyone knows what's going on in straight away and that but tonally it didn't it like the the monkey butler didn't fit because they were all quite serious and it was quite serious show up till then and then all of a sudden they've got yeah he just yeah he just appeared behind them i I just laughed i don't know if that was supposed to be the reaction (laughs) he just suddenly appeared behind them like a horror film or something i was interested in why a show with this sort of tone would then go yeah we need a monkey butler as well you know the character uh i can't remember their names now but the guy who's like really big and super strong how towards the end we saw he's got really hairy arms i wanted to know i wanted to know what this was about so i googled it and apparently he's got a human head on the body of a alien gorilla apparently according to the comic books so now i feel like i need to watch the second episode that might be a spoiler for people. <laughs> he's very ape heavy then is what we're saying yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe he had relations with the monkey butler's wife or something. I hadn't really thought much further along than that. But the Umbrella Academy, I think we've sold it well. It's all there on Netflix, should you wish to binge, which let us know uh, either on Twitter or email whether you think it's it gets better or it's worth our time. But I just it's just not a show that was ever going to draw me in, but it's all there on Netflix. Right, so have we reached the show you hated yet? Not yet. <laughs> 
I think we all Are know we what about it is. to? Yeah. Uh, yes, and it's not Alan Partridge. It would be, <laughs> be awkward if it was Alan Partridge. Hello. So why don't you walk us through the basics of new Martin Clunes comedy Warren, which started on Monday on BBC One. Yeah, this is a new, it's a new BBC One sitcom airing, I think, is it before Alan Partridge? It's the leading Uh, to Alan Partridge. Yeah, good choice there. You you have to sit there and suffer through it, basically, if you, (laughs) that's what people are saying. Martin Clunes is the uh, the titular Warren, uh, who is a miserable driving instructor, like the sort of man who just sort of thinks that everyone in the world is an idiot apart from him. Uh, and he's from the south, but he's moved to I think uh, they say Preston to live with his partner and her two teenage sons. There isn't much more to it than that, is no. there? Really? That can is I the just, premise. Be- before we go into it, can I just read this from the the BBC synopsis? Clearly. <laughs> Never blessed with any sort of patience or a paternal instinct, Warren just wants an easy life. He's happy with a clean house, a neat garden and a nice cup of tea. But thanks to his naturally difficult personality, Warren is constantly finding himself in sticky situations. He's always making life hard for himself and often on the verge of losing it. There are no happy endings for Warren as he grapples against the problems and misunderstandings of his own making. Was that the show we watched? (laughs) (laughs) It's just completely unlikable yeah just completely unlikable and just a chore to get through and there's not really a, a funny thing about it his wife or we started our company girls who do interiors before we even graduated design school and we turned to chase for business to build along with us they had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place and with the chase mobile app our business is wherever we are it's made for business owners who build to inspire Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, NM member of DIC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Or, or new partner goes off and there's a bit where she's sort of meets a, a sort of a medium or a psychic. And she that just doesn't... comes across as stupid, doesn't she, yeah. the Lisa Malay mm-hmm. character? It's just like she's just thick as anything. What you need in a show like this is if you've got a grumpy male character, you need a really interesting, engaging female character to bounce off of. She doesn't do, or the script doesn't give her anything to do other than just really stupid stuff. Paul Jahidi, who we love in this country turns up as this medium and is just awful. Everything yeah. about it, there is no redeeming feature 
of this show that I could find at all. I remember when this got announced last year, quite a lot of people were tweeting about it saying, like, do we really need another sitcom about a grumpy old man with a doting wife who loves him even though he's horrible? And that's mm. that's exactly it, really. It just feels really old-fashioned. You know, like you already mentioned, the wife is just this sort of ditzy character, like, oh, what's Warren like? Even, you know, he's horrible. <laughs> I love it that was the title, actually. What's he like? And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it just feels very old-fashioned. It's doing something that's been done loads of times before and been done a lot better before, like, you know, One Foot in the Grave, a sort of grumpy old man, but he was sort of, like, a bit likeable in a way, whereas, mm. yeah, within the first... You felt sympathy for, for Victor Meldrew, whereas yeah. you don't feel any, any sympathy towards this Warren character at all. Within about the first five minutes, I wanted to slap him in the face, and that just carried on throughout the whole mm. two episodes that I watched. And you watched two of these as well. Yeah, I well, my I, God, I thought it might improve, and I was wrong. <laughs> if anything, the second episode is worse. I thought spoilers for anyone who's planning on watching it. Yeah, the whole premise in the second episode is that there's another driving instructor in the area, and this guy is actually good at his job uh so a lot of warren students are leaving him and going to this other instructor and then at the end of the episode the other driving instructor gets hit by a car and seriously injured so he can't work for a few months so it's like warren wins Uh, oh my god and one of my like pet peeves no pun intended is animals sort of getting hurt for laughs and in episode two there's a running joke about a cat being run over and it just left a really nasty taste in my Mm. mouth i already wasn't enjoying it at that point but that in particular i I don't like that sort of thing in any comedy really because it just makes me think that's not funny that's horrible obviously this didn't appeal to me but i couldn't see who this would appeal to it wouldn't appeal to my folks for example who like Martin Clunes, but just wouldn't find this funny in the slightest. And I couldn't think of anyone either in my family group or friendship group that would turn this on and think, yeah, I re- I, I can't see anything redeeming about it. I also didn't believe that they would still be on dial-up internet because yeah. he's such a tight ass. None of it rang true. It again felt like a throwback from the early noughties when BBC One would do these you know, character-led family sitcoms that were instantly forgettable. I just thought it was awful. Yeah, I was th- I was thinking about that too, who it might appeal to, and the only answer I could come up with is people who are like Warren and might sort of get a kick out of seeing him tell people to shut up all the time because that's the sort of thing they want to do. Like, that's the only demographic I think could possibly enjoy this. You know, they might think he's a bit of a legend. <laughs> Because if you hate the character like we do, I don't see why you would want to watch this. And how can you how can you put this on as the lead-in to Alan Partridge? Because that you're saying that these are two new comedies launching on the same night on the same channel, and we believe in them just as much. We're going to put them as a double bill. It mm. makes no sense to me at all. I saw an interview with Martin Clunes going round the other day where he was just talking about how oh, he got sent the scripts and they were so good, he just couldn't say no. And I was thinking, was he reading the same <laughs> scripts that got made? I don't... And I mean, I did sort of look into the two people who wrote the show because I hadn't heard of them before. And they are mm. very new. Yeah. 
so it surprises me that they've you know commissioned this sitcom from two very unknown new writers and put it right in prime time on bbc one it's it's a bit weird well bbc comedy is in a weird place anyway because monday night uh from next week will be this alan partridge a shortened news and then Fleabag. So sort mm. of three comedies in a row. Two are quite innovative and, and then this just feels like they've just stuck it on because they need another half hour thing in the in the schedule at nine o'clock. Well, it just feels so dated. I was invited to the screening and didn't go. But yeah, I'd same. To, I'd have loved to have been there just to see what the reaction was. was yeah. Because you would have felt compelled to laugh. I don't know where, yeah, I don't know where the laughs were supposed to be. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't pleasant. I mean, just before Christmas, there was a comedy pilot on BBC One uh, called King Gary. Did you watch that at all? With Tom Tom Davis? No. Because I quite enjoyed that, and I thought that was kind of similar in a way, in that just similar themes, like rivalry between neighbours and stuff. And I thought that that was so much better. I'll be quite disappointed if you know, Warren gets a full series, whereas they just give King Gary a pilot and, you know, as if that was worse somehow when I thought it was actually a lot more interesting. That felt a bit more of today's times, whereas this feels like a complete throwback Mm. to times gone by. This could have been on in 1999 and not felt out of place at all. This doesn't feel like it should be on in 2019. It's, it's, It's almost, like, embarrassing to watch, I found. As you say, I don't know who it's for at all. Should should be on some on a Sunday afternoon with still open all hours and something like that. <laughs> so the, the, set. yeah, it is weird because all it does really is give people who like to say, "Oh, traditional comedy is dying," just gives them another show to add to the list of of reasons why the BBC can't do comedy. And it can do comedy, as we're about to harp on about Alan Partridge. But surely their focus should be on the next Alan Partridge type show rather than more stuff like Warren although I appreciate you've got to have a bit of something for everybody I don't think this is for anybody <laughs> if you want to watch it and you want to see how bad it is Monday nights nine o'clock as the lead-in to Alan Partridge on BBC One unbelievable that they would tear them up 20 seconds can I have a glass of water please makeup checks so sorry everyone Oh, Tony, um, can you just remember to tweak that? Hi, anyone. Can I have a glass of water, please? Yeah, the end bit. Okay, guys, stand by. We're coming on shortly. Hey, you'll be fine. You've done plenty of live stuff for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did do that. What was it called? Mid Morning Matters? Yes, Mid Morning Matters. Mid Morning Matters. Oh, do you know it? Uh, Yeah, I've watched the odd episode. I have to say, I loved what I saw. Well, it's a radio show. That's right. Guys, clear the floor. Can I have some water, please? My mouth is dry. Stand by. We're going in five. Can I have some water, please? My mouth is dry. So, Alan Partridge returns as the co-host of a one-show type scenario with This Time. He's paired up with um, Susanna Fielding as his co-host Jenny. She's been on the show a long time, but Alan steps in when the original host falls ill. It's a spoof of that, really, and it gives Alan and the guys who sort of have worked with Steve Coogan to bring Alan back to life on Sky and now on the BBC One the Gibbons brothers, just gives them another avenue of where to take the Alan Partridge character. And it's a nice amalgamation, really, of knowing me, knowing you, the mid-morning matters on Sky, and also, in in a way, 
I'm Alan Partridge on the BBC because we see Lynn pop up in between the little segments. I really enjoyed this first episode and I saw two at the screening. Matt, as you're not as big a Partridge fan as perhaps Sophie and I are, mm. what were your initial thoughts here? I liked it to an extent. I can't say I didn't laugh. I, fa- I found it funny throughout. The thing I think didn't work for me really was the, sp- the sort of spoof of the one show. Because it, it, it's an easy target, I suppose. And it got, for me, tired very quickly. I mean, I liked the, you know, Partridge character, the Ling character. What's the Tim Key character called? Simon. Simon, Simon, Simon. yeah. Um, I thought the performances were good, um, but I don't know how six episodes of this same structure, if that's what they're doing throughout, is going to work. Is is it going to be him hosting this show every week? Is that how it's going? Well, I've seen two, yeah, and that's what the second episode carries that on. Yeah, because I mean, my favourites were the I'm Alan Partridge because it was it was sort of the one that fit most the sort of sitcom structure, really. You know him in the in the hotel and everything like that in the travel tavern. I found it funny. I I thought the ending was a bit abrupt as well of the first episode. So, but no, I enjoy I enjoyed it. Certainly of the four shows we're talking about today, this was this was the best. Yeah, but that's not high praise. <laughs> I, I know. I don't think I would go out of my way to watch the second episode. But you know, if I've got some spare time, then I will. But it's it's not something I'm going to sort of really be shouting about. Yeah, I, I thought it was hilarious. I I think dropping Alan into this format that's basically the one show. I think that's a really good idea because he's just he's just constantly saying the wrong thing. His co-host clearly thinks he's an idiot and he just misjudges the mood. But she she I, steals his gags as well, which yeah, I thought was a nice little thing. And he's sitting next to her, just looking like there's absolute terror in his eyes because it's. <laughs> TV and he doesn't know what to do. I I've watched this episode twice now, and there's there's so much detail that I was like noticing new things the second time round. Like you know the the section when he's talking about the importance of washing your hands when he's in the bathroom at the beginning. I, I noticed the first time that he wasn't actually putting his hands in the water. He's just sort of <laughs> next to it. But then when I watched it for a second time, I noticed it a little extra thing, which is that. He can't decide whether to look at the camera in the mirror or to look at it over his shoulder. And he's just like darting his eyes back and forth between the camera in the two different places. It's that sort of show where the more times you watch it, the more little things you'll notice. Um, Yeah, I thought it was really funny just laughing throughout really like the guest who is called Alice Fluck and he keeps... (laughs) Alice Clunt by mistake. Yeah. Yeah, and just, again, little sort of physical things. Like, he does a few things where he's walking and talking, but he finishes what he's saying a bit too early, so there's an awkward few seconds where he's just walking in silence. It, yeah, I thought it was really good. I'm looking, for, looking forward to the next one. I'm quite jealous that you've seen two yeah. episodes. When I was at the screening, I sat, uh, I sat behind the commissioning editor Shane Allen who mm-hmm. commissioned this and um and Warren, oddly. And he was he must have seen it four or five times I'm assuming. And he was crying <laughs> laughter throughout. So it's really for him I think it's just a joy to have Partridge back at the BBC. But mm-hmm. I sort of can see what that means that can this format sustain six episodes and I think it can only because Steve Coogan is so good as Alan Partridge that you just you don't even think of it as a as an actor doing a comedy 
comedy turn or a comedy performance. It's he inhabits that role so much that you completely believe that you're watching this sort of inexperienced person doing this show week on week and it just becomes more excruciating as it goes on slowly the pair of them fall out and then there's awkwardness there it's just very cleverly done and it's again it's an amalgamation of several shows there's a bit of w1a in there (laughs) with the bbc lampooning themselves to a degree i thought for what this was i thought it was brilliantly done really well executed and very, very funny. I, I, love... I think my favourite... Uh, sorry, am I going to step over yours now? No, go on. The, 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 the stuff with the shell oil and the BP oil <laughs> and stuff like that was probably yeah. my favourite. That made me laugh the most. Them yeah. saying, no, that wasn't our oil spill. Our oil spill was... <laughs> <laughs> and I like... You know, I didn't always love Tim Key in the Mid-Morning Matters segments, but I think here he's... Alan's brought him into this world that he's not prepared for either, so he doesn't know how to use the social media screen that they've got and messes that up. And it just feels like you're watching an incredibly awkward version of this show that is just so funny and well done. I think they've done it as well as they could possibly do it. And I like the fact that you don't... I was worried you were going to see every little comedy segment that they cut to in the studio because I think that would get quite tired. But I like the fact that when the VTs are playing, you're still with them in the studio preparing for the next bit and you get to see Lynn for a time. I thought it was really well done and I will be watching the rest um, because I have a real affinity with this character and it's interesting that you could just put a comedy character in new surroundings and just find him as engaging and as interesting and as funny as he was before. I would like a sitcom though with Alan, but I would still like a sitcom with Alan Partridge, with the sort of dated live studio audience, because I'm Alan Partridge, is still fantastic, and I'd like to see him back in that world again. I think sitcoms with laugh tracks have become a bit dated. I, I still like mm. them. I, th- I really like Upstart Crow, and that's got a sit- mm. as an audience. Um, yeah. I think people might sort of take against it now, like that's something that's become a bit uncool. Um, Did I it... Alan Partridge have a laugh track then? I'm oh, still yeah. Oh, right, okay, yeah. I can't remember uh, that. That's how bad my memory is. But then, I mean, they did the film recently, and that was like an extended version of that, wasn't it? That worked for me. I really That's enjoyed true. the film. Yeah, That's you can true. kind of do anything with the character now. Yeah. Really. You know, the fact that he's a presenter, but you can also do stuff about his personal life. Yeah, they could sort of do whatever they want, really, and I hope it carries on after this series, too. There's a great interaction in the second episode where they have a studio audience uh, for reasons I won't spoil in the second episode and he has a great interaction going into the studio audience with the mic and chatting to them and it's just as awful as you could possibly imagine so this time with Alan Partridge the only thing worth watching this week is on BBC One on Monday nights 9.30 so once you've watched Warren you've got something to look forward to on BBC One this time with Alan Partridge it's a shame Matt that you didn't connect with it but no, I think talking to you two now, I think I maybe enjoyed it more than I thought, you know, when I came into this conversation. So, I mean, Susanna Fielding, I thought was very good as well as this sort, you know, because we see these sort of slick female presenters all the time, don't we, on, on shows like this. And I thought she did a very sort of good, as, as sort of almost like the new girl in this ensemble, I think she fit in very well, very quickly. More so, she's got a hard job because she's sort of got to play it straight, hasn't she, mm-hmm. to 
to Steve Coogan, and but actually, you are you really warm to her as it goes on as well, and and she's a really interesting character and more layered than it perhaps you perhaps perceive at the start. So this is going to be on for the next five weeks on the BBC, and uh, I'm sure it's going to go down a storm because the the screening room was just in floods of tears uh, watching this. I'd love to have gone to Warren in the morning and then this in the afternoon. <laughs> but, but you say that about Shane Allen. I've been in a screening when we watched that remake of Are You Being Served? And he was laughing at that as well. So. <laughs> oh, my God. And, well, the, but... and the porridge thing as well. It was that, you know, those those that comedy season they did. But it's interesting that the same man could commission both things and can commission this country mm. and bag and, and car share and all these things that don't feel like they're in the same universe is weird. Comedy's subjective, but when a comedy's bad, I think we're all agreeing It's universal. On... Yeah, mm. it's weird. But that. then my, my folks love still open all hours, so, you know, there's no accounting for taste sometimes. No, that's why you don't see much of No, that's why I don't live there anymore. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com So, you've now got to take on Boxmaster. How are you feeling about it? Um, a bit worried, but like I said, I've heard I've heard everyone else, and everyone seems to get very worked up, and that it's not as bad as they expect. That is true, in, in but not in this case. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's begin. This is the ultimate TV quiz where we quiz you on your ultimate TV knowledge. The score to be is 18 after Will got 18 last week and is top of the leaderboard. Uh, two bonus questions, uh, two bonus selections you can have this week. You can either have one and done or BBC comedy conclusions. Oh, I'll go for BBC Comedy Conclusions, please. I thought you might. That's odd, yeah. that, isn't it? <laughs> okay, let's play Boxmaster. So, in your first question then. In Life on Mars, which oddly we've already mentioned this week, uh, which year did Sam Tyler travel back to? Oh, I've seen it, so I should know. Um, 1975? Ooh, you're only uh, uh, is it 73? It is 73. Yeah. You get no points, Matt. Don't try and be clever. Okay, question two. Mum Knows Best was a cookery series hosted by who? I'm going to... I'll guess... Fanny Craddock? No. It's far, it's far away from Fanny Craddock because you can uh, get the hairy, the hairy bikers. Oh, Mum Knows <laughs> Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? I had to look that up to double check. So here's your first comedy conclusions bonus question then. Which British TV comedy icon was killed off in a hit and run in the final episode of their BBC sitcom? Uh, Victor Meldrew. Yes, we've already mentioned him as well. It's weird how that happens. Victor Meldrew, yes, correct. (laughs) 
Next up then, in which series did Lisa Kudrow first play Ursula Buffet before appearing in Friends? Oh, I think, is it called some, something like Mad About You? It's not called something like Mad About You, it is Mad About You. Uh, yeah. I've never seen it, but yeah. I, mm. So where are these things in the back of your mind that you don't even think you know? Giles Corran and Sue Perkins were known under what name for their BBC Two series? Um, mm, I'm not sure. I don't know. It was the Super Sizers. Oh, okay. Okay, so... Which BBC comedy ended with the birth of baby Kylie in 1998? Mm, oh, I don't know. Um, 99, I'm going to guess Ab Fab. No, it was men behaving badly. Oh, never seen it. With the, really? Never no. Seen that, no, weird. Okay, well, that was the aforementioned Martin Clunes as well, so I thought it might have been on the tip of your tongue. Question seven. Nathan Maloney, Vince Taylor and Stuart Allen Jones were the lead characters in which BBC, in which British drama series? Nathan, Vince and Stuart were the lead characters in which British drama series? Mm, no, no idea, sorry. I know what it Queer. is. Go on. It's Queer as Folk, isn't it? It's, just, it is it's 20 cool. years old today. Weird that. I didn't know that when I put the question. No, in, I know. Seen... Uh, next up then. Which comedy's character's home planet is the planet of Melmac? Um... 80s comedy character. Mm, no, I'm not sure. It's Elf. Oh, uh, okay. Elf. I loved Elf. And the final bonus question. Comedy conclusions. The final stretch is the final episode of which iconic BBC 70s sitcom? Uh, the final stretch. Is it Porridge? It is porridge, well done. And finally, what is the name of the estate the Gallaghers lived on in the Channel 4 series Shameless? Oh, uh, I can't remember. No, I'm not sure. It's the Chatsworth estate. Ah, uh, of course. So at the end of Boxmaster, where you kept your cool, What's the scores on the doors map? 15, Sophie. So oh, that's not bad. Not bad. No, it's not bad at all. It's those bonus questions. If you know them, they're going to get you higher up. And I don't know where you pick Mad Out About You from. <laughs> you just know that from the back of your mind somewhere. <laughs> Boxmaster will continue next time. If you've got any ideas of any questions you'd like to contribute or... Maybe you'd like to go under the spotlight yourself, get in touch either via Twitter, Custard TV Pod, or Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com and get uh, yourself involved in that. Also, we're on all the podcast apps your tune ins, your speakers, your iTunes, 
any way you can find us. You can even tell your Alexa yeah. to play us if you wish. Um, and Spotify as well. We've got the entire back catalogue. T- We're episode two five five today, so you can go back to twenty eleven and start and start the journey with us. Well, actually, it was with me and, and Gary. Oh, you, and, and no, just you and Tanise, wasn't it, to start yeah. with? Yeah, those were the glory days. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, the podcast will be back in a couple of weeks. Nothing really to cover um, next week, so we're going to take a week off. Yeah. But we'll be back. And what will we be back, back with? Well, annoyingly, we'll be back with some good shows. Dairy Girls is back. Home on Channel 4 is the new comedy uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, the new drama starring the strange pairing of Helen McCrory and Richard Gere on BBC Two called Mother, Father, Son from Tom Rob Smith. That That's coming up in early March and the return of Ricky Gervais with his own Netflix series which is called Afterlife. We'll be discussing that as well. And I already have a social media question. Normally I have to okay. think about this. Yeah, go for it. So, what is it? This is an odd one but this is what happens when I can't get to sleep over night time. I start to think now of Boxmaster questions and social media questions. If you had to introduce somebody who never owned a TV to the wonder of TV, what three shows would you pick to show them? To convert them into a TV fan and convince them to buy a television? (laughs) What three shows? Because there are people in the world that don't have them and choose not to have them and think TV is below them. So if you if you were one of those people, you met somebody who'd never owned a TV, has no interest in it. What three shows would you pick to show them? I love to the have think about that. One. That's a good one. That is like that is a good one. I don't waste my evenings. <laughs> have a think. Get in touch, and we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you ever so much, Sophie. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, and thank you most of all for watching those four shows. I know, maybe it should come on in a few weeks' time when you've got those really good shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do feel like we'll let you down. we've done you a massive disservice there, letting you just watch those four sort of awful ones, bar Alan Partridge. But yeah, well, I'd love to have you back on, so if you ever fancy it, please come back on and see us. Thank you ever so much. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.